Thank you for listening to the audio podcast of the King's Crossing Church of Christ. To learn more or subscribe, please visit our website at kingscrossingcoc.com. Psalm 118, verses 1 through 6. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord, He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Amen. I appreciate you being here this morning. I should point out that I, too, am pitch hitting this morning. Uh, If you're a guest here, I'm not the guy who normally gets to do this. In fact, uh, someone introduced me to one of their friends this morning and quickly pointed out, now, he's not the regular preacher. (laughs) Kind of makes me the irregular preacher, I suppose, which is probably more than you wanted to know about me. So if you are a guest, if you are, we encourage you to come back in in the coming uh, weeks and months ahead so that you will get a chance to meet the regular preacher. Uh, I think you will be blessed, as we all are, by the messages that he brings this week and the work that he does in this congregation. Uh, I am certainly honored that he allowed me to be the guy who gets to uh, step in for him this morning and uh, hope that by the the time that we're done, you will have been blessed by the time that we spend together in the Word. Now, I've only got one Bible verse that I'm going to look at this morning, which is a little bit different for me when I preach. Normally when I preach, there are several different verses that I pull out, or else I'll take just kind of a a long chunk of Scripture and try to work my way through it. But I'm going to do that a little bit differently this morning, and uh, you'll probably understand why by the time we get through. In fact, if you want to look ahead, the verse I'm talking about is in Romans chapter 8, and I promise you we will eventually get to that in just a moment. Uh, You heard one of my favorite verses in the Scripture reading, talking about out of Psalm 118, that if if God is for me, if God is on my side, who can be against me? And I love the fact that there's only one answer to that, no one. If God is on my side, what can mere people do to me? And that is so important with the topic that we're going to be talking about this morning as we look at mission transition. Have you noticed how everything that grows changes in some way? Everything that grows changes in some way. You notice that with your kids, don't you? If your children did not change as they grew, you would know that there was a problem. You would know that for some reason something not healthy was going on. You expect to see your kids change as they grow. It's a normal part of the process of the world that we live in. I am acutely aware of how things change. I've got a birthday coming up this week, and I know that I am not the same as I was just one year ago. I don't expect I will be the same as I am now one year from today. Do do you, by the way, do you do what I do Do you look at people who are your age and and, and wonder, now, do I look that old? (laughs) Yeah, don't point at anybody. I'm 
I'm so bad about that. I'll do that with movie stars. You know, okay, well, here, here's what Sean Connery looked like when, I, when he was my age. That, I'm not so bad, you know. I kind of make those comparisons. There is a, a story of a woman who went to see a brand new dentist. And as she was waiting for the dentist and she saw his diploma there on the wall and she read the full name and she thought, wait a minute, that name sounds familiar. And she thought back to high school. And she thought, could this be that tall, dark-headed young man that I had that secret crush on in high school? It's got to be. Who else would have this name? Well, then the dentist walked in, and she immediately quit thinking about that because he's kind of a balding guy with deep lines in his face, a little bit overweight, and she thought, this isn't the guy. But the more he worked on her teeth, the more she thought, I've just got to ask. So when he got through, she said, I got to ask you a question. Did you go to Morgan High School? And with pride, he said, well, yes. I was a Morgan pirate. Why do you ask? She goes, well, let me, let me just ask, what year did you graduate? He said, I graduated in 1982. Why do you want to know? And she said, because you were in my class. He said, really? What class did you teach? <laughs> Everything that changes, <laughs> everything that grows, looks different at one point or another. When we change, when we grow, there are inevitable points of transition. When you go from plateau to plateau of your growth, there is always a time of transition that you have to go through to get where it is you're going to want to be. Whether you're talking about academics, whether you're talking about your maturity, whether you're talking about your marriage, growth always means change. In fact, can we say this morning that it is part of the human condition that transitions are common to life. Some of you can remember that transition from, from junior high to senior high. You had all of your friends in place, you had all of your structures, you knew how things operated and how things worked, and then all of a sudden, just when you're getting comfortable, they pull you out of that school and put you in a new one. And you knew it was eventually going to be okay because high school's okay. But for just a little while, there was that awkward and stressful and kind of painful transition. For me, it was when they pulled me out of elementary school and put me in junior high. I remember on the very first day of junior high, before the first bell had rung, I was in the vice principal's office because I had been in a fight. What happened is this big old eighth grade boy decided that he was just going to randomly send a message to all the new seventh graders and just beat up the biggest one he could find. That was me. I was as tall as I am right now. I have not grown since about the sixth grade, to be honest with you. I was as tall. Now, I only weighed about 110 back then, and I'm probably pushing, you know, 125 or something now. But <laughs> he decided that he was going to just find the biggest uh, seventh grader he could, beat him up, and I ended up in the principal's office because he didn't win that fight. <laughs> By the way, he is a fantastic Christian gentleman today, one of the best that I know anything about. But it reminded me that transitions can be tough. All of us who have been, who are married, who have been married, remember the transition from being single to being married. Most women like that transition part. They like the planning of the wedding. They like the details. They like the setting up the new home. It's not that way for guys. 
For guys, it's different. Instead of getting married, we just want to wake up and be married, you know? We want to skip the transition because transition points are tough. When I asked my wife to marry me, I was, uh, I was so nervous and pale and shaky, she finally said, you know, you don't have to do this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the transition. I just want to kind of get there. A lot of you know the difficult transition that takes place when you go from working for somebody else to becoming your own boss and having your own business. It's a, it's a different set of headaches at that point, isn't it? There are a lot of different things now that you have to think about that you didn't have to think about before. There's the transition from having no children to having children. Boy, things change in a hurry, don't they? The spontaneity that you were used to. Honey, grab a bag. We're going out of town for the weekend. You know, now there's a checklist you have to go down to make sure that the kids are taken care of and everything is just like it needs to be. It is a transition that you have to get used to. Life is full of them, and we know that eventually the structures are going to be back in place and things are going to settle down and, and, and things are going to be fine. But getting there in a transition is often difficult. By the way, two things you and I need to remember about transitions. Number one, there is always stress involved. Even if it's a transition that you're looking forward to, there is a certain amount of stress that's involved. You know why? Because you don't know what's going to happen. There's the element of unpredictability, especially for a guy like me. I like to be overprepared for everything I'm going to do. I really do. I like to just know as much as I can about the subject or the topic and just be overly ready for anything that's going to come my way. I am not a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants, make-it-up-as-you-go-along kind of guy. That stresses me out. And in a transition, there's so much unpredictability, there's so much unknown, I don't know where this is going, that it causes a bit of stress and sometimes even a little bit of pain. Number two, and this is what I find disconcerting about transitions, is that many of them are forced on us. We don't get to choose. We wake up one day and life looks different. The future has been rearranged. Your daughter comes home and announces that she is in trouble, and all of a sudden, the future is not what you had planned. A son comes home and shares something that he's involved in. It totally rearranges life as you thought it was going to be. The doctor calls and says, the lab reports are in. You need to come in and we need to talk. And suddenly you know everything is different. You didn't choose it. You didn't want it. But there you are in a transition. Your husband says, I don't want to be married anymore. The wife says, there's somebody else. It's a painful transition, and eventually you know that things are finally going to get back to normal. Eventually things will likely settle down, but right now it's an uncomfortable place to be. An unexpected death in the family, that's a transition. Or when the boss walks in and says, hey, you've, you've, you've heard the rumors, you see the numbers, this is nothing personal. It's a numbers crunch. You're just the next one up. You got two weeks, and you got to go on. You can put a name and a face with every scenario I just mentioned. So can I. In fact, for many of us, all we have to do is look in the bathroom mirror because we have faced so many of those major transitions. And if you're a believer, that's usually when you want to look at God and say, what are you doing? Where are you? 
Do you see what's happening down here? And the good news that I'm going to share with you this morning is this. The Bible is unmistakably clear that when you go through those changes, God is in the middle of your transition. You see, your transition is God's opportunity. If there's anything the Bible says consistently, if there is anything that our experience speaks to consistently, it's the fact that God does his best work not before, not after, but right in the middle of your transition. In fact, I would say that God does a work there that is better perhaps than in those everyday nine to five, everything is rolling along exactly as I want it to kind of times. You see, your favorite Bible story your favorite psalm, that, uh, that scripture that you like to quote and that you really like to cling to, it was not birthed in the everything is going along groovy nine to five kind of moments. It was birthed in the painful transition in the life of a character in the Bible or someone who is a writer of scripture. One day, God says, Abraham, I want you to leave everything that you know and I want you to go somewhere you've never been before, and you're not coming back, and I'm not going to tell you what it's going to be like. Now, Abraham, eventually things are going to settle down. You're going to have a family. You're going to have a home. But right now, this is a major transition. And I ask you, was God in that? Oh, you bet he was. Joseph shows up to see what his brothers are up to, and the next thing he knows, he is stripped. He's thrown into a pit. He is sold to slave traders, and he's on his way to a new life in Egypt. He gets there, and in spite of everything that has happened to him, he tries to do what is right. He is falsely accused. He's thrown into prison, and he begins what for him was probably at least a 10-year transition. And God was in every moment of it. David is anointed as the new king. And you know where he finds himself? <laughs> he's hiding from the old king, King Saul. He's hiding in a cave. And he's thinking, God, I know you said this is what you wanted. I know that I'm going to be in the palace eventually. But right now, here I am, hiding like an animal in a cave. And God was right in there with him. One of my favorites one day a messenger from God shows up and faces a teenage girl and says, you're going to have a baby and his name is going to be Jesus and honey, your life isn't going to be anything like you thought it would. But, do you remember what he said? God is with you. Scripture speaks to the fact that God is with us in those moments of transition. It's what I need to hear almost every day of my life, that when God seems far away, when I wonder, are you seeing what's happening? Do you know what's going on in my life? It could be that in those very times, he is doing a work in my life and in his kingdom that won't be as effective any other time. Do you think God has figured out that sometimes our most teachable moments as people come in those transition points? God can do it more and do it faster in my heart and in my life and in his kingdom when I'm in a transition than at any other time. And the reason is because usually that's when he's got my full attention. See, I'll just confess to you, and I'm, I'm confessing because I don't think I'm much different than you. There are times when I'm tempted to put my confidence in something besides God. I wouldn't say that out loud. I wouldn't admit it to anybody. 
But there are times where if I know that, that, uh, that, that, that my health is what it needs to be, I feel pretty good. If I've got a job that I enjoy and they're paying me to do something that I like, I feel pretty confident. I'm confident in my ability, in the insurance policies that'll take care of me if anything ever goes wrong. I'm confident in my wife's retirement plan, you know? As long as she's got that, we got a secure future. I surround myself with things that I have made, that I've created, that I've manipulated, and those things become the source of my strength and confidence. And then, and then, the waters are stirred. And suddenly, those things don't measure up. My health isn't what I want it to be. I lost that job. My 401k, (laughs) not even a 401f at this point, you know? It's kind of out the door. It's in that moment, in that transition, that God has my undivided attention. And if you think he won't use it to help me and you grow, then you have missed something worth knowing about God. A church seminar on prayer is good, but a transition time is a whole lot better for your prayer life, isn't it? Let's face it, when you're going through a transition, nobody has to say to you, well, have you prayed about it? Have I prayed about it? That's all I do is pray. God, where are you? God, hear me. God, deliver me. When you're in a transition, nobody has to ask, well, are you having your quiet time? Are you kidding me? My whole life has been one big quiet time. I'm listening for God. I want to know what the next step is. I want to get out of this tough transition. In transitions, our value system comes closest to aligning with God's And what is important eternally, suddenly, becomes important practically. And God knows that, and it's why he sees your transition as his opportunity. And by the way, here's the thing that we often miss. I want to mention this, and then I'm going to read that scripture I told you about. The thing that we often miss is that your transition is not just about you. It is not just about you. It is much bigger than that. Not only does God see an opportunity to do something in you, he sees an opportunity to do something through you. When you go through a transition, God always seizes as an opportunity to reach beyond your life and impact people who may not have been impacted in any other way. Think about this. God didn't move Abraham from where he was to be where he needed to be just because he wanted to teach Abraham a few things about him. God didn't move Joseph from where he was to Egypt just to help Joseph develop his faith. There was a much bigger plan than that. And God certainly did not tap on Mary's shoulder and say, look, I'm going to send you a son and his name is going to be Jesus. And the reason I'm doing this is because I want you to be closer to me. Oh, no. God had a little bit more in mind than just that. And that's good news because it means that whatever God's doing in your life right now, and I don't know what it is, but whatever God is doing in your life right now, whatever he's taking you through as an individual, whatever transitions we go through as a church are because God has something more in mind than just it being about us. That's the way he works, and God has a long track record of doing it that way. All right, Romans 8 is the passage of Scripture that maybe better than any other summarizes this entire concept, I think. And it's one that is so familiar to believers that it has almost become kind of a cliche that we kind of throw out there, you know. 
I don't know what it means exactly, but I know this is the, the, the part that sounds really good, and so I kind of throw that out there. Romans 8. I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation of the Bible, by the way, and it says, and we know that God causes everything, which things? Just the good things, right? No, 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 no. Everything. By the way, this was written by a guy who was in a prison cell who knew that God's mission for him was to go and plant churches and tell about Jesus. Being in a prison cell seems like it would hinder that just a bit. And yet he's writing this. We know that God causes everything to work together. So what's God doing in your transition? He is working. But Mike, I don't see him. Neither did any of those other folks that I just mentioned in the Scripture. But God is working. Joseph didn't see him, not for at least a decade. Mary didn't see him when she had to scamper across Egypt in order to save her baby. Every day was not a miracle in the lives of people that you read about in Scripture. There were plenty of valleys, and yet he says that in everything, God is working. All right, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Who's good? The good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Whose purpose? His purpose for them. Now, I want you to see this, because this means that God is working in your behalf. He's also working in His behalf. He's working in your behalf because you love Him, and in His behalf because He has a purpose that He's working to fulfill. I cannot sort out the puzzle of your life this morning. I cannot say to you, look, if you'll just do this, you'll finally see what God was up to. And if you'll do that, then this person will say this, and he will apologize, and you'll win the lottery, and you'll be vindicated, and everything will be good. I can't tell you that because I can't predict what's going to happen. I can't predict what's going to happen in my own life. I don't know how certain things are going to turn out. But I know that no matter what's going on in my transition, God is working on his behalf and on my behalf. He's working for my benefit and the benefit of his kingdom. So let me close with this this morning. Maybe part of our mission is to see God in the transition. I believe that for God to do what he wants to do in and through you, you've got to act like he's there. You have to see God in the transition. Otherwise, it is wasted. You will most likely walk away without having learned anything. And more importantly, you won't have grown and changed because of it. Every major movement of God was started in someone's transition. Every single revival, whether you're talking about an individual or you're talking about a group, started because God got somebody's attention in a transition, and it grew from there. As evil as you may think your ex-spouse is, as terrible as you may think your stepchildren are, as off the wall as you may believe your parents to be, as crooked as you may be convinced that boss is, for God to get the glory in this difficult transition, you have to see him in it. I've got four children, 
And my wife, Shannon, had been really sick throughout her pregnancy with our twins. She was in the hospital and out of the hospital and back in and back out. And, and finally, the last time, the doctor said, look, let's just go ahead and do this. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to get these girls and we're going to do this by C-section birth. Now, if anybody knows my wife, you know, that was just fine with her. Get in, get out, go home. You know, there's no reason to play around with this thing. Let's just get this done. And even though it would be a C-section, they told me that I could still go into the room there. Shannon informed me I would still go into the room. No could about it. And since it was really all about me anyway, I will tell you, it was tough. It was tough. I, I get squeamish just hearing the word hospital so many times. I have been known to pass out a time or two, and I'm not kidding about that. But I determined that I was going to remain conscious for as much of this birth as possible. That was kind of the goal that I had in my mind going in there. I thought I could really do this. So I go in, and there's my wife. She is strapped down with her arms on these boards, you know. They've got her strapped down, and they've got a curtain on her chest. And so it's me and her up on this side of the curtain, and there's like a Discovery Channel event going on on the other side of that curtain down there. And so I'm up here, and I'm nervous, and I'm talking to her, and honey, are you okay? And how are you feeling? And do you have enough anesthesia? Would you like more? You know, could, could I get some? Is there any way here? And I'm nervous, and I'm praying, oh, God, get us through this. These babies, they're going to be born too early. What if something goes wrong? They're not ready to come out. I don't know why we're having to do this now, and I'm, I'm just kind of uh, down there. My rug, she doesn't know what's going on. She's smiling at me, and she's happy. She's happy. And things are that way on this end of the curtain. On the other side of the curtain, there's the medical crew. And I'm up here, and I'm nervous, and I'm worried, and I'm praying. They're down there talking about the news. They're talking about the fact that one of the nurses had a pet who ran away. At one point, I think I even hear one of the doctors whistling, you know? A doctor and three nurses, and they're having a great conversation. And I'm on the other side, and I'm going, come on, people, hold on, focus, focus. This is important. This is my wife. These are my kids. Deep breaths, everybody. Deep breaths, you know. Let's get this thing going on here. It did not dawn on me that, you know, I'm down there concerned that they're chit-chatting, and there's this incredible contrast between me being worried and nervous and them doing what they do well on the other side of that curtain. Her doctor was in an environment where he was the master of that type of transition. It ain't no big deal to him. He does it every day and still plays golf on Wednesdays. That was his deal. It's what he was about. He wasn't worried. He was in control. Folks, get this. Whatever you're going through, your heavenly Father is the master at orchestrating the transition. The wheels haven't fallen off. He does it all the time, and he's been doing it for a long time. So as nervous as you are, as out of control as things may seem, can you come to a place where you say, Oh God, I believe you are in this. I don't know how exactly, 
I'm not sure of all the details, but I know that this, this, my thing, my deal that is so big to me right now falls under the category of everything working together for the good of someone like me who loves you. Can you do that? You see, when this world falls apart, typically there are two extremes that people go to. One person jumps into bed, throws up the covers over their head, and says, just tell me when it's all over. I'm going to shut my eyes. I'm not going to listen. I can't deal with this. Let me know when we're through. The other person says, I can fix this. I can manipulate some things. I can rearrange. Just get out of my way. I'll work it out. Get out of my way. Give me enough time, and I'll fix this thing. And in both extremes, you miss what God wants to do in you and through you. If you want your transition to be as valuable as God knows it can be, make sure you're looking for Him. I want us to pray together. Would you stand as we pray this prayer together, please? After the prayer, if you need to respond publicly this morning, perhaps you need to pray with some of our shepherds. There would be a few of them down here in the front. They would be glad to do that with you. I hope and I pray that in this week ahead, you will remember that with God on your side, no one can stand against you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you'll give us the courage to look for you in the transition. And when we look for you, Father, we pray that you will show yourself clearly. And then we ask for your blessing in your own perfect time, that when we show confidence to follow your lead, Father, that you will take us to the places you want us to go. Father, in all things this morning, we pray that we would remain humble before you, both as your people and as your church. Father, we're ready for the journey ahead. Now lead. We offer this in Jesus' name. Amen.